Hello and welcome to episode 176 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. This week, it's Joe, Tank, myself, and we have Dr. David Latchett with us to discuss Facebook's new cryptocurrency, Libra. Thank you for being on the show. I'm glad to be here. I hesitate. I, I, it's, it's dumb. I hesitate to use your first name because it's confusing because there's another David here. But I'm the only one in the group. You and I are the only ones in the group who can use each other's first names and have it still be clear. Hmm. So you could go with just my last name, Latchett. Do people call you that? Yeah. In the uh, office where I work, there are four Davids. Mm. Ah, yes. This is a common problem. I hear that. And the other three Davids, do they go by their last name or do they just stick with David? Well, the boss is one of the Davids. And so he's decided to go by Dave. Okay. Yeah. You know, I had a coworker who uh, I worked for a guy whose first name was David. And we hired a guy named a guy whose name was David Ryan and his last name. And he worked there for three years, I think. And I only knew him as Ryan and everyone else in his life called him David. <laughs> my boss asked him to go by Ryan in the, uh, in, in the office. And so everyone who worked with him in the office thought his name was Ryan and no one else ever used that name for him. It was pretty, it was like, that's kind of weird. That's like spy stuff. <laughs> yeah, it is. It was, it was pretty crazy. Good times. So, uh, Latchet. Uh, that reminds exactly... me of another funny story. <laughs> oh, <gosh>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not Helvetic. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry. And that is not funny. Anyways. So I see in your Slack profile, I guess I should, I guess I should preface. That's how we found you uh, for this episode yeah. is, is uh, you are frequently on our Slack and presumably that's what you do for a living. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, mostly. Hang yeah. Hang out on our Slack. The uh, the main reason I thought to have you on is because uh, when we when I when I heard about this Facebook cryptocurrency stuff, I realized you know I am tangentially aware of uh, cryptocurrency and vaguely vaguely aware of how it works. Um, but also, uh, I've seen you uh, talk about it a little bit on the Slack, and you seem to know. Uh, a bit more than at least I do. Maybe maybe the other hosts on this show also know more than I do. That's probable. Um, but could you talk a little bit? Uh, I realize I didn't prep you for this question, so feel free to take a second if you need to. Uh, but could you talk a little bit about uh, what cryptocurrency is and uh, just a little bit about how it works and then maybe specifically this Facebook uh, currency? Yeah, so cryptocurrency, it's uh, something that tries to be a digital form of cash for whatever that means. Um, The most common one that people talk about is Bitcoin. It was the first one on the scene. And um, it was just anonymously invented a little over a decade ago now. And... Um, it's based on a technology called blockchain and blockchain like as a computer science nerd is a really cool data structure which yeah I know that sounds fascinating and awesome data structure (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> well, so you're on the right is, podcast. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, and so the idea with the blockchain is um, it's a secure ad only or append only database, hmm. which see another way you could describe it is a ledger, like a digital accounting ledger. Um, and so then what a Bitcoin is, is basically a token that gives you the right to add entries to a certain digital ledger. Uh, and that turns into currency <laughs> through, well, through about the same amount of belief that turns regular dollars into currency. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a common thing where people people object to the fact that, you know, there's nothing behind Bitcoin. Like it's 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 technically valueless. It's like, well, have you looked in your wallet lately? (laughs) Yeah. And I've I go back and forth on whether it is technically valueless because you could argue that there is some inherent value in the Bitcoin blockchain. Hmm. I mean, it's a commonly held record of data that anyone can put information into and it's recorded in a available verifiable way for as long as the blockchain exists Hmm. so you can uh, do your bitcoin transaction and enter some amount of text with that transaction and that amount of text will get written into the blockchain and will be there forever replicated a million times around the world and no one can go well no one is supposed to be able to go back in time to change that Uh, there are various various kinds of attacks that can be done against bitcoin that would uh, let you go and rewrite history that way but under normal conditions once you put that information out there, it's there forever. And there's some utility in that that you could argue is the inherent value of the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, but yeah, to get back to Libra, it's a, uh, a slightly different thing because uh, this gets into how Bitcoin works. Uh, there's, uh, with blockchains, you've got basically two overarching categories of permissioned and unpermissioned. Um, the real innovation with Bitcoin was the unpermissioned blockchain. That's, that means that anyone without having to get special permission can join um, the Bitcoin blockchain network mm. and participate in my, the mining process and storing and everything. Like anyone can be a node in that network. Hmm. Whereas this new Libra blockchain, it's, uh, it is a permissioned blockchain. Um, and so that means that only the, uh, what is this? The, the white paper has a list of founding members of the Libra association. And so only the members of the Libra association will have, permission to add nodes to the Libra blockchain network. Hmm. And so there's advantages and disadvantages with this. Um, 
like the real innovation of Bitcoin, like I said, is this unpermissioned blockchain network. And the way they figured out how to do this was uh, figuring out a consensus mechanism that didn't require any node in the network to trust any other node in the network. Uh, it's, yeah, the consensus mechanism, the consensus mechanism being the way you get everyone to, like everyone in the network to agree what should, uh, what information should be added next to the blockchain. Hmm. That's, yeah, that's the consensus mechanism. And Bitcoin's consensus mechanism is called proof of work, uh, where you basically have uh, all the machines participating in mining. Uh, that's the, the process of, like the, the process of generating Bitcoins is called mining. And the way you get new Bitcoins is by doing some particular work. And then the way you generate the consensus is you prove that your specific computer has done the work. Hmm. Um, and the work in this case is solving a particular math problem having to do with cryptographic hashing and looking for the right hash. And um, a key element of that is that um, like that gets you the append only property for the blockchain. Um, the key property for that is that each uh, time you want to add a block, you have to know the answer to this math problem for the immediately previous block. So everyone in the world can only solve this one same problem at a time, every time. How do they, how do they deal with things like, uh, if two, do, do they essentially lock when, when they're, uh, making transactions so that two don't, uh, try to make the same transaction or try to make try to make a transaction with the same answer at the same time or yeah so um it's the most common case is that only one person will have found or only one node in the network will have found the correct answer for the problem and be able to communicate that through the network uh, before anyone else is able to solve the problem. Um, you can have cases where I mean, two machines come to the same solution at about the same time and they start telling their neighbors in the blockchain network and it sort of spreads like gossip until you have uh, one side like two different sides of nodes saying that, Hey, we think this is the answer. And the other side saying, Hey, we think this is the answer. And then, um, it just sorts out with, uh, whoever has the most votes, like whoever has 51% of the votes, mm. their answer gets accepted and, um, consensus spreads that way through the network. So this is, this is for the creation then uh, of the Libra coins. Uh, and the only people who are able to do this. Oh, so this is, oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, so this is with Bitcoin. Oh, I gotcha. Um, yeah. Um, Sorry Libra. about that. I got lost. Oh, no, no. Uh, I'm almost getting lost in my own explanation of this. <laughs> it seems complex. Um, so, yeah, it's... And I don't know if I'm going into too much detail here, so stop me, tell me to back up whenever you want. Um, I still find it interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's... All that proof of work stuff that 
neat trick that the anonymous or pseudonymous Satoshi Nakamoto found back in 2008. Um, that's all how Bitcoin works and um, in general, how the various unpermissioned blockchains work or permissionless blockchains. Um, and so um, generally speaking, it's also how something like Ethereum or Litecoin mm -hmm. or Dogecoin or any of these other. I always thought that was Dogecoin. Like, like the doggo. I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> I just assumed it was an internet it, it thing. Is. It is. Yeah. It's just a different way of pronouncing the same meme. Oh, all right. Doge or Doge. Well, that's, that's eye-opening. That might be the most important thing I've learned so far. There we go. Well, that was a great episode, guys. Um, I just want to <laughs> so, yeah, the question that I have on this, and this, is, this belies my ignorance about the whole thing, is what is the... I, I've heard that like this is a problem that's a good problem to solve, like with Bitcoin um that the the what they're trying to solve these hashes and stuff is a valuable thing just like kind of like you're saying it's, it has some intrinsic value because it has uh but but i don't understand what that is like i i don't understand what that intrinsic value is and if that's the case is it also like when you do something like the doge, doge or doge or whatever how you want to say it uh coin, Doggo coin. Do, are they doing a different, are they trying to solve a, just a different math problem? And then, I mean, does everyone pick their own kind of thing they're trying to solve? Or how does yeah. that work? Yeah, so each of the different coins has a slightly different math problem they're trying to solve. Some, um, some coins go for different proof of strategies. Um, so there's some based on... Um, actual hard drive storage that you attach to the network. And so that's uh, proof of something like proof of capacity, proof of storage, very proof of having that storage supplied out to the network. Mm. There's um, some proof of work coins that have algorithms that perform better on CPUs rather than GPUs. Um, I see. Well, and then Bitcoin's now at the point where there's like a, a dedicated piece of hardware because uh, even GPUs don't do it well at this point. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it started off with GPUs because that could really parallelize the, uh, the hashing. But, yeah, it was even what, six years ago now, at least, that you started seeing ASICs, like application-specific integrated circuits. Uh, you started getting those ASICs. Um, being used to uh, do all the mining. And of course you had the Kickstarter messes where someone offered to make and sell these ASICs. And by the time they were delivered, if they were delivered, they were already obsolete. Uh, so I, I think, yeah. So like, so, with, okay. <laughs> like, sorry, one more thing. So like with the obsolete hardware, it just is, it's just that the, that problem is exponentially more difficult as you get more of the, further down the hash or more coins essentially. And so you get hardware that can never be, it's never fast enough to be the one to reach that end point before someone else is getting to it. Is that kind of the deal? Or well, there's, I mean, with that, there's a few different things. Um, yeah, there's 
part of it that um, the with Bitcoin, at least the problem is built such that as it gets solved more times, it becomes harder to solve mm -hmm. um, so that the total number of Bitcoins produced will asymptotically approach something like 21.7 million. Hmm. Um, then, yeah. And so if you, uh, yeah, if Bitcoin suddenly spikes in popularity, you have a whole lot more people mining. That means you get closer and closer faster to that asymptote, which means that the hardware you designed a year ago is now out of date mm. for getting a return on investment mm. for solving that problem. Mm -hmm. yeah. So but yeah, this is all related to Bitcoin and the Bitcoin blockchain and those varieties. Um, Libra, um, if we want to talk about that is a very different kind of, kind of animal. So my understanding, um, just as I listen to you, I think I've always, um, I've always heard of, uh, the blockchain as in the blockchain, like there is a blockchain and everything is using it. Um, but it sounds kind of like, especially in the currency concept that there are all these different, different blockchains are kind of like groups mm -hmm. that, um, that you can join and you have to do something to prove, Hey, I've actually joined and I'm. I'm doing something to make this blockchain work and therefore I earn money for it. And so it sounds like, um, yeah, those um, are all the anonymous ones. And then the Libra one, it sounds like it's going to be like, we're a private click. You can't get into this thing unless you paid $10 million up front. <laughs> yeah. Um, see, I want to be, want to be precise. I'm the, the pedantic PhD over here. There's, <laughs> um, there's only like one or two of these cryptocurrencies where you could reasonably say that something is anonymous. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, going back to, to where you started that, um, saying like using the phrase, the blockchain is like saying the database mm. <laughs> or the file. I mean, in cryptocurrency, you generally know which one is being referred to. If someone says the blockchain, they probably mean Bitcoin because it was the first and it's the biggest. But mm. um, some, yeah. But each of these, uh, each of these different uh, coins, to for lack of a better word, has its own blockchain, right. has its own ledger, its own weird kind of database. <laughs> So it seems like there are degrees of of anonymity uh, with hmm. these various with these various coins, and and I imagine that what you're talking about when you say true anonymity is something that maybe there's a, a version of functional anonymity that would suffice for most people, uh, where it's better than using their credit card on eBay. Uh, oh yeah, but it's technically if somebody wanted to find out who spent this money at this time or whatever, they could find that out. Yeah. So, um, again, taking Bitcoin as the example, um, each transaction is pseudonymous. So it takes place under some pseudonym that's a, uh, crypto, a cryptographic key. And uh, every single 
Bitcoin or fraction of a Bitcoin is traceable from origin to destination by pseudonym. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there are various ways. <laughs> yeah, there are various ways you can launder Bitcoin. Um, and I actually read a book by a uh, security expert named Kevin Mitnick about how to be truly anonymous online. And it involves paying a hobo to buy you a cell phone so you can launder some Bitcoin. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, unless you go through the trouble to run your Bitcoin through one of these, um, uh, what's a word? It's a good word. Well, Mafia. Laundering oh. service? Yeah. <laughs> Mafia. Uh, Tumblr, I guess. Tumble dryer. <laughs> Tumblr yeah. or Flickr or Imager. Yeah. Oh unless, unless you want to run your Bitcoin through one of these washing machines that has a uh, really pretty high overhead cost. Hmm. Um, if they can put, if, the, if someone who's looking can attach your name to one specific transaction, um, it's possible to trace your activity, like your, um, yeah, your coin usage activity across a large part of the transaction history. Mm. Okay. So because, yeah, everything you do on the blockchain is public because I mean, one of the things, one of the key characteristics of the Bitcoin blockchain is that it's public mm. and unpermissioned. Mm. So with Facebook, um, it seems like you can see even in the name that they chose for this thing, they're really trying to come across uh, as we're not evil. Like, (laughs) we're not here to take over the world. Look, it's called Libra. That's from the Latin meaning freedom. Like the the goal of this is to to make things uh, to make things free and and liberty and, and all of that. Um, what is happening here? I, you have a very wide monitor, sir. <laughs> uh, it's just a very wide picture. Um, yeah. So, uh, so since this to, is a uh, since this is a visual <laughs> podcast, we should yeah. probably explain what's happening. So we're not like, whoa, that's oh, Evans, <laughs> yeah. it's a Murgatroyd. So, yeah, so uh, uh, Dr. David has just shared an image with us. We'll put it up on the uh, on the webpage if that's okay to get a copy of this. Yeah, this so is just yeah. I, anyway, go on. Yeah, I did a did a brain dump of like, when I was asked to come on to talk about Libra. I did a brain dump about um, all the different possible concepts I could think of related to this. Um, so Ethereum got blockchain, Bitcoin, cryptography. Like I'm even ready to talk about the Bretton Woods agreement. And um, if only one of us knew what that uh, is. (laughs) But yeah, uh, talking about the name, I actually did a uh, a kind of deep dive on trying to get it. Why did they pick this name? Mm -hmm. Um, And so... uh, yeah, so deep dive, meaning I typed in Libra into DuckDuckGo, 
and <laughs> pulled up the Wikipedia page. Um, nice. Yeah. That's pretty deep. And so you've, yeah. <laughs> so you've got, um, yeah, I've got this header here over header over here labeled name slash symbolism. Um, and so you've got Libra. That sounds, sounds like Libre, which is another word for freedom, liberty, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they want to get that feeling of freedom of use. Um, then you have Libra, um, the constellation. So that's the Zodiac. Uh, How on earth did I not realize of, that until just now? My mind went to Latin. Pretty sure any connection I could make off of, well, they chose a Zodiac sign that would <laughs> start feeling a little bit more conspiratorial. Than <laughs> Mine went to the uh, Final Fantasy white magic move that lets you see all the enemies stats and health and stuff. That's probably what it is. Yeah. That's the one. I ruled that out pretty quick. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess, uh, what I was, what I was getting at by mentioning the name, the, the, like I watched Facebook's kind of marketing materials or a little bit of, uh, of Facebook's marketing materials. And I looked into that and it, it seems like they really, they're really trying to make this seem like we're doing this because it's good for the world. So on the one hand, they're saying we're giving banking to people who never would have had access to banking. And so, you know, that way, if they get mugged, they still have money, uh, and then on the other hand, there's, they're also trying to shout about how, and we're not tracking your transactions. Like when they say anonymous, what they really mean is we don't connect your transactions to your Facebook account for advertisers. Um, and so I guess it would be interesting to get your thoughts on whether you think either of those things is even true. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, I mean, if they say they won't connect your Libra activity to your Facebook profile. That's probably technically correct, which (laughs) as we know from the internet is the best kind of correct. Um, Maybe not in this case, but I mean, they just, yeah, they can just get your transaction history from someone else sort of laundering your transaction history through one of the partners and could get it that way. Um, and the um, and Bitcoin is permissionless and pseudonymous and can still be tracked by someone determined. Um, Libra is a permissioned blockchain. That means that, yeah, there's no, I don't think there's going to be any pseudonymity even. It's going to be all, well, yeah, all attachable to your legal name, legal identity. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're, they're talking about using it for, you know, buying shirts. And the thing about like when you buy a shirt is you have to send it to an address. So uh, I, di- I didn't think of this before, but this is the obvious way that Facebook could get at that data is they just have agreements with the vendors where the the coin itself doesn't have any support for Facebook getting getting the data on on how you use it. But if you make a transaction with somebody who is advertising on eBay, they get that data from the vendor because the vendor has your first and last name. And they don't, I mean, you know, at that point, they don't even care what your payment method was. Um, but the vendor maybe is incentivized to provide that. And 
uh, I was listening to the to the Accidental Tech podcast today, and they were talking about how uh, in iOS 13 they cut off uh, automatic. Uh, basically, they they made it so that if if an app wants to scan around for Bluetooth devices and create Bluetooth connections, uh, it needs special permissions to do that. That's not for the audio stuff. It's for uh, looking for device, like the app itself, looking for devices and all that. And they uh, they were saying that. Uh, a lot of apps were using Bluetooth to just, you know, scan around and find uh, beacons, um, uh, beacons that could that could give the app an idea of your location. Uh, and it seems like at pretty much every turn, somebody is trying to track you. And just because Facebook is saying, oh, we won't track you through the coin does not mean that they're not tracking your transactions once you start using their coin. Yeah. Um surveillance capitalism is in full effect with or without the Libra coin. So, I mean, we could talk into more of this name, the name Libra, why they picked it. I think, um, I think I tracked it down. If you've ever read the three musketeers, then the, uh, the coins they use, the money they use is the French Libra. Oh, mm-hmm. oh get a, uh, actual French speaker to correct that pronunciation. Um, <laughs> I got this but, labor. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> He's from South France. <laughs> well, yeah. Lots of countries have a South. <laughs> I've been to Paris, Texas. <laughs> I know a thing or two. Oh, yeah, Anyhow, but, so the, yeah. based on the, the coin that they use in the Three Musketeers, is that one yeah, of the, no, the stories? Of the leaf for the livre was the uh, the French unit for a pound of silver, and comes from the Latin libra, same same one meaning about a pound of money, whatever metal was the money, and so they just went back and uh, pulled that name out of history. Okay. Yeah, and then you have the. Uh, Libra zodiac sign um, is the uh, uh, the lady with the scales mm-hmm. from which we get Lady Justice. Except right. Libra is not blind, which makes me think of the uh, the tracking element again. <laughs> so, what are your as someone who studied this? Uh, what are your uh, what are your specific concerns about Libra versus uh, other cryptocurrencies out there? Would you, would you say that Libra isn't even technically a cryptocurrency then? I mean, it may be called that, but in, in, it, would it be kind of skating on the definition of that term? Or, or what would be your biggest takeaways or biggest concerns here? Yeah, so whether Libra is even a cryptocurrency, that's... Um, that's a definition argument to get into. Um, the The argument underlying that is whether permission to blockchains are even technically blockchains, because there are other kinds of distributed ledger that aren't even a little like blockchain. Um, and so the idea from the one camp would be that the real innovation that makes something a blockchain is this proof of whatever that allows for an unpermissioned use. Um, but 
if you want to consider it a blockchain, then I guess technically that would make Libra a cryptocurrency. Um, but yeah, as for as for things that could go wrong with this, they are multitudinous. <laughs> um, for one, I uh, briefly scanned some of the documentation. They put out something like 122 pages of information, including like different white papers and a couple of technical papers. Um, so they could have something to deal with um, quantum cryptography and the challenges of um, quantum computers that can easily decrypt basically anything in widespread use today. Um, hmm. um, but yeah, so if, if they haven't solved the post-quantum cryptography problem, then that could be a big deal. It, that's something that could make all Libra currency completely worthless mm. with a single press release. The, mm -hmm. the idea here, right, is that quantum computers, if we ever, if we ever get there, which I, I haven't really been keeping track of if we're any closer than we were 10 years ago, uh, but if we get there, they will be so fast that they can decrypt any of the encryption algorithms that we have now because they're just so fast they can just i guess brute force or uh th they can find a way because they're they're doing the the kind of computing that takes us hours and hours in in nanoseconds right uh yeah that's i mean without getting into a discussion of how public key cryptography works that's hmm. that's yeah, good enough way to think of it. Because it seems to me like when we do get there, that's just going to be a problem for literally everything, for Wi-Fi <laughs> networks, for banks, for like if if quantum computing gets into the hands of the wrong people first, like, well, there you go. <laughs> I guess the economy is toast. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there, um, quantum computing affects different kinds of cryptography different differently. Mm. And so... Um, yeah, you know, uh, a lot of like most cryptography relies heavily on um, public key or asymmetric cryptography, and so that's um, that's how like um, secure web connections are negotiated. Is uh, yeah, using public key cryptography, secure email, that kind of thing. Um, and that, yeah, that is not like the current algorithms for that are not resistant to quantum computing based decryption attacks. Uh, there are some uh, quantum resistant crypto algorithms coming out. I think the first one. Uh, see, just recently or is soon to have its patent expire. And um, hmm. so there seems like we might have enough lead time to not have a civilizational collapse over the whole thing. <laughs> um, but then uh, there's also symmetric key cryptography, um, which is a lot less affected just at all by quantum computing. Uh, you, know, you just 
um, and it'll double the key size. Like, yeah, a working usable quantum computer will require everyone to just use 256-bit keys instead of 128-bit keys for their symmetric encryption. But in the grand scheme of things, that's not really a big deal. Hmm. Um, uh, other ways that this can fail, um, it could just be that we discover that their uh, consensus algorithm is terrible. Because hmm. um, um, the Libra BFT consensus algorithm is brand new. Um, it's based on some recent research. Um, and so it, it probably works, <laughs> but that probably would not be enough for me personally to say, yeah, I'll just put all my money into Libra and then I can freely jet around the world and spend it everywhere. Um, yeah, BFT, if you want to talk about Byzantine fault tolerance, could um, could go into what that is, but... Um, sure. I see, I yeah, see it leads um, to the saddest computer scientists on your little mind map here, so I want to hear about them. Yeah, no, so they... Um, yeah, a couple of years ago, while working on my PhD, I went to a talk from a professor about um, his research in blockchains and he was researching permission blockchains, which means he was researching Byzantine fault tolerance. And he described it as the, the conferences as for BFT as the ones that invite the saddest computer scientists. It's the saddest <laughs> field in computer science because um, for the last couple decades, um, People have said, hey, we don't know when this is going to be an important problem to have solved, but by golly, someday we're going to need to know how to tolerate Byzantine faults. And so they just toiled on that obscurity until along came this idea of a permissioned blockchain. And dozens of these guys cried out all at once, we are relevant. <laughs> So uh, looking at the Wikipedia article, a Byzantine fault is a condition of a computer system, particularly distributed computing systems, where components may fail, and there is imperfect information on whether a component has failed. So I guess the idea is that things can go wrong and you don't know that they've gone wrong? Yeah. So that it gets its name from one of these uh, toy scenarios computer scientists like to pose of... Um, You've got the city of Byzantium and you have a bunch of generals and um, each general is not necessarily trustworthy because they're all um, working their own political advantage, trying to one day become emperor. But at the same time, they also need to cooperate well enough to fend off the Saracens and the barbarians from the north. I just I just want to interject um, here. I'm really glad this has nothing to do with textual criticism. Wow. <laughs> yes. Right, we'll talk about the Alexandrian fault later. <laughs> I'd be happy to. <laughs> I know you would. <laughs> I'm sorry, go on. Yeah. 
Now, so yeah, the Byzantine Byzantine fault tolerance is about how you solve that Byzantine generals problem. How do you get these bunch of different untrustworthy components, untrustworthy generals, if you will, to cooperate together and keep the whole system running and working. Are they all the, are we all like the members of the blockchain? They're the generals because they all want the, the coin fastest or am I misunderstanding that? Yeah, that's, that's about the right way to look at it. All the, like all the different nodes, um, don't have to trust each other because any individual node could be broken and, uh, sending out bad data. It, any node could be security compromised and sending out malicious data Hmm. and a uh, Byzantine fault Hmm. tolerance is how you filter out and come to an agreement on what is the best version of how the world exists. Mm, I see. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the Libra BFT algorithm that's uh, establishing consensus for the Libra blockchain, uh, it can tolerate about, uh, about one third of the total nodes in the system going rogue, so to speak. Hmm. Hmm. That makes me nervous when I think about how whenever I run run an an ad on Facebook, uh, probably two thirds of the interactions I get are from spam accounts. (laughs) 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 I'm sure, I'm sure there's not as much correlation there as I'm afraid there is, but it does make me nervous. Um, so I guess, uh, two more questions that we should cover, uh, before we wrap up here. One is this idea of, I mean, they, they raise an interesting, an interesting dilemma, uh, and an interesting problem that they're trying to solve, which is, um, because this currency, I'm just going to call it a currency because while it may or may not be crypto, no one can deny that they want it to be a currency. Um, when this currency becomes a thing and people in third world countries who have smartphones, but not toilets, uh, which is totally a thing. Like that sounds kind of funny, but it's, it's very, very much a thing when they are mugged and all the money they have on them is stolen. They, they have an actual quasi bank account, uh, that cannot Mm -hmm. at least easily be robbed. I mean, obviously, you know, people, people can steal money from your online bank account through, uh, through coercion or, or other methods. Uh, but I guess the, the question I have is, does this, does this actually solve that problem or does it just, is, is that just marketing? That, that is a good question. Which may be more of a question of economics than, than, uh, hmm. cryptocurrencies. Yeah. So, yeah, with Libra, seems like Facebook is trying to establish a currency and a bank. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I don't know, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're... I mean, the, the cynical way to look at it is people in the third world 
already do most or at least a lot of their financial financial transactions using their phone. Hmm. Um, uh, it's been a while since I've read up on it, but um, yeah, there's um, basically a lot of a lot of activity that we would do through a bank that's done just like through text messages and stuff. So the third world is already using their phones to do a lot of monetary things, send money that, that whole bit. Um, but without the added benefits of a bank, like keeping your money someplace relatively secure. Um, and so the cynical take on that is Facebook wants to, or Mark Zuckerberg wants to go and capitalize on another 3 billion potential customers. Well, I mean, that's, I don't know if that's cynical. I mean, it's obviously a motivation regardless of it's, of if it's the mm -hmm. primary or only motivation. Yeah. Which is interesting too, because that doesn't, have to be a bad thing. I mean, I think all of the major tech giants are realizing like, oh, we've soaked up the the first world and a lot of the second world. And like, how are we going to continue to grow and keep investors happy? Um, mm -hmm. But if you can do it in ways that actually make people's lives better, then, you know, that's capitalism working as it's supposed to. Well, mm. sort True. of. Yeah. So uh, you have something on your mind map here. By the way, props for making this. It'll be it'll be in the show notes. And uh, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this <laughs> from a from a host <laughs> or a guest or or a person. <laughs> well, I was I was inspired by the uh, crazy wall that you sometimes see the conspiracy theorist in the movie. <laughs> yeah, except. I'm terrible at arts and crafts, so I just coded something up in Python and it spit this out. Oh, you just got to change all the uh, connectors to red yarn. It'd be much better. What did you build this in? <laughs> I could send you the IPython notebook, but it's just GraphViz with a lot of different lines. IPython. I need to look into this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, back to the topic <laughs> at hand. Uh, what I noticed on here, uh, was the same thought that I had. And there's this part of me that really wants to run a, uh, a parody evangelicalism blog. Um, not like the Babylon B where everything's obviously a joke, but more like a blog that could really exist, uh, but only exists to prove a point. Anyway, um, <laughs> it just occurred to me that dispensationalists, especially those who, well, I'm trying to be charitable here. Are you a dispensationalist, David? No, I'm not. Dispensationalists whose eschatology comes perhaps more from the Left Behind series than from, uh, someone like John MacArthur, uh, okay. may be very, very convinced and concerned that this is a giant step toward the end of the world and looking around for Nikolai Carpathia. <laughs> is he a good guy or a bad guy? He sounds nice. 
<laughs> That's kind of the point. <laughs> That's what they all think at the beginning. <laughs> um, so I guess, uh, is there a Christian response to this other than the, the dispensation? So what, what I'm getting into here, if, if you're not uh, well-versed in dispensational eschatology, is uh, in the Left Behind series, uh, Nikolai Carpathia <laughs> is the Antichrist. Uh, the dispensationalists believe in a literal seven-year tribulation, uh, followed by a literal 1,000-year uh, millennium. Uh, which I guess part of that was redundant. Um, and the uh, the character Nikolai Carpathia and his... I can't remember what the... He sets up a one-world government uh, and he creates a one-world currency. Uh, and this was in fulfillment of some verse in Revelation, uh, which is kind of deeply ironic to me because at the time Revelation was written, there was a one-world currency. um but which is a big part of why i discount the whole thing besides besides the fact that i'm not a dispensationalist um is there a christian response to this is there uh are are there reasons why we would think that this is immoral or unwise that maybe we can derive from from the scriptures yeah we can think about this in a few different ways like um yeah the one world currency that yeah, that immediately made me think of Left Behind. Um, though also remembering back to when it was written, it was written before um, the European Union adopted the euro. So the starting three currencies in the world at the beginning of the book were the mark, the Japanese yen, and the U.S. dollar. Um, yeah. So that's just, yeah. If it were written today, they'd replace the mark in the yen with the... Uh, the euro and the renminbi but yeah i mean you could yeah you could definitely look at this and see oh no it's left behind it's the one world currency and it definitely brings that image to mind if you're a dispensationalist then this is already something you're going to avoid um but the uh the first thing i thought of was um in Revelation 13, uh, thinking about the mark of the beast without which you're not allowed to buy or sell. And that made me think of the tracking that is just inherent in something like a blockchain-based currency. If someone wants to go through and find anything you've ever purchased and they have a, a, a subpoena, or a search warrant, they'll be able to go to Visa or Calibra or uh, whoever else is running one of these partner nodes and say, hey, turn over all your records related to this person. And they'll either they'll either fight that in court or they'll just more likely roll over. Mm. Um, but you also combine that with um, a lot of this recent tech censorship that's been going on. And so I looked into, um, uh, looked into some of these companies that are founding members of the Libra association. And you have a fair number of companies that are not Christian friendly. Mm. So you have, um, uh, you have like, well, Facebook, <laughs> Um, that's kind of a big one. Um, 
but you also have uh, MasterCard, who just recently announced that um, they're doing this thing called a true name card. So, um, uh, to support, uh, better support transgendered customers. Um, then you have, uh, PayPal and Stripe who have been variously accused of, uh, censorship, deplatforming various voices more on the right of the political spectrum. Um, uh, yeah. And then, uh, if you want to get super conspiratorial, um, Jared Kushner's brother is on the board of, I believe, I believe he's on the board of Thrive Capital, which is a venture capital investment, uh, venture capital firm investing into this, uh, organization. So if, depending on how you feel about the president, that might, um, that might tip you one way or the other. The point overall being um, that uh, it's hard to place a lot of trust in this particular basket of companies and investors. Mm -hmm. And um, just thinking about um, if this becomes a prevalent thing, it's also not controlled by a government bound by a constitution and legal system. Um, and it could potentially be something that kicks you off. Right. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like what's happened with like Patreon and, and people kind of getting booted from there that are, uh, you know, it's kind of, that yeah, it gets in, it, this gets into some very interesting territory because I think like, uh, you know, it's, you see, you've seen that happen with the, they call it the adpocalypse on YouTube where people were getting demonetized and deplatformed based on, uh, you know, some, some initial very controversial stuff, but then kind of getting broader into, well, you're just, you don't fall in line with kind of a, the, what's considered the proper newspeak almost, you know? Um, and I've even seen examples of people where, they're uh, on Patreon, actually, where people were removed. They, they were unable to. Uh, they had been paid by their patrons, patrons and patron Patreon refused to give them their money and refunded the money back to the people mm-hmm. who paid that money and then said that they would no longer support the people on that platform. And it's like, well, you had you were the connection between the two. You weren't the decision maker on one end or the other end of how whether this was going to work and and. Uh, and I believe like you brought up MasterCard, I think MasterCard uh, did some similar stuff where they basically said they would stop processing card transactions for certain people because of things that they said on social media. Hmm. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, it, it, many people would agree that Alex Jones is a wacky dude and and at best <laughs> in, in the kindest terms. And it's crazy. Some of the stuff he says and whatnot. But it does remind me a lot of the, the, the quote, uh, from, you know, where they, they, they came from the, they came for the union, uh, union people. And I didn't speak up because I wasn't a union person and they came for the, 
the Jews and they, I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew, you know, that sort of a thing. And it's like, okay, that guy's wacky. I, I'm not that guy. I'm not in that guy's camp. So if they deplatform de him or don't allow him to be able to uh, make money or, or whatnot, that's probably, that's fine. But as these things keep falling, and especially this year, the kind of you mentioned, you alluded to the, the transgender thing through uh, MasterCard. It's amazing to me how many companies are that were kind of like happy Pride Month before are now like, uh, I mean, really push it. I, I, I understand a company not wanting to take sides on a particular issue like that, but they are now. Even companies that you wouldn't expect to be taking sides are taking very, very strong stance, stances uh, uh, towards very, very liberal um, uh, philo philosophies. And uh, those that aren't taking those stances are demonized. Yeah. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I mean, I, 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 sorry, I've, I've just been thinking about all of this because the... The obvious comfort that we have as Christians seeing things like, uh, uh, you know, the Christian bakers and wedding photographers uh, being being sued very heavily. Uh, the the obvious comfort that we have uh, is that we do live in a country that has free speech. And uh, while uh, I don't personally agree necessarily with the concept of free speech writ, writ large. Uh, I'm thankful to live under it <laughs> because it, it does afford certain benefits like, you know, being able to say things that I believe are true about God uh, and his law and about man and about sin uh, and, and not be persecuted for that, um, at least not by the government. But, you know, what constitutes a, a government? You know, at what point do right. you do you look at an organization that has six billion members, its own currency, its own bank and... <laughs> like, at, or sorry, not 6 billion. I can't remember what Facebook has at this point. Um, but at what point do you look at that and say, that's like a nation inside a nation. Like this is, this is that they could split off theoretically. Like, like, I mean, they can't because like geography, but so, so you look at that and then, you, then you realize like, oh, and this, the people behind this currency that almost everybody I know is going to immediately have access to the people behind it. Don't like me. Like, the question is how far they'll go with that. And I mean, I don't want to be alarmist. Uh, you know, the, the temptation to conspiracy theory and the temptation to spiral to the worst case scenario is real here, obviously. Um, but this does remind me of uh, Matthew 24, um, where Jesus does, he gives the people, and again, I'm not a dispensationalist here, so I'm reading this differently than maybe, maybe you've, maybe you listener, or you other hosts may, may have heard it before. Um, but Jesus is warning the people of persecution that's coming to Jerusalem. And essentially he says, when you see these things happen, get the heck out of Dodge because it's only going to get worse. Um, and, and you better hope that, you know, you're not with, with child because it's going to be then even harder for you to, to, you know, move and, and get out of Jerusalem and all that. Um, and so, so there's this, there's this idea of like, you need to move and, and the people in Jerusalem in the book of Acts, they're all, you know, the, there's that verse that, that communists love. They had all things in common. Um, and I would actually argue the reason they had all things in common was because of this exact situation that we're talking about here, where the people who, the people around you, the marketplace around you has decided they don't like Christians. 
So now how do Christians survive in Jerusalem uh, at, at this time? And the answer for them was you, you form a sort of uh, commune uh, where, whereby you can, you know, you, you, maybe, maybe this guy can't get a job doing that and that guy can't get a job doing that for, for these pagan neighbors, but they can do the jobs for each other. And, and the people who are able to make money outside of the commune, uh, they're able to bring money in. And uh, plus people were selling land, all of that. Um, so you're talking about kind of like the Benedict option sort of a deal? Yeah, I guess. But I'm also just thinking like, it's not as simple now. Like, like before, I mean, my solution, if the United States starts going crazy is what Jesus said, get the heck out of Dodge. Um, but if it's Libra that goes crazy, uh, and most people are more prone to accept that than their native currency. Like, you know, what, what do we do? And, and I mean, I, I, again, I, this is, this is worst case scenarioing, right? Um, sure. but it does make me wonder if we shouldn't be thinking in terms of like, well, gee, could we build like a Christian social network? Could we build things that would allow Christians to band together across geography in similar ways to how the world is banding together in some sense against us? Is there Christian is there, blockchain? Christian, yeah, blockchain. yeah I mean that, that sounds Christian. <laughs> that sounds silly and crazy, and you know, you put verses on it and everything, but maybe maybe not even a Christian blockchain, <laughs> but like a uh, a conservative blockchain or a uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it does it does have me thinking because I think I think there is wisdom in in looking at what's going on around you and saying gee, is this, is there persecution coming and what am I going to do if it comes? Welcome to dispensationalism. <laughs> Tank, did you have any thoughts? Um, no, I don't. All right. So it seems like there are a lot more things we can talk about. You have some, some more stuff on your, on your, uh, I don't even know what to call this mind map, I guess. And crazy wall. The crazy wall. Crazy wall. <laughs> um, could talk about the idea that the uh, that Libra is claimed to have an inherent value, um, but I think that's a fairly dubious, dubious kind of assertion. Um, could talk about the whole aspect getting back to the third world of. Um, how uh, the creators envision Libra to be a uh, tool for providing financial services like loans. And then we could talk about ideas like the Bible says of usury and interest. And that's uh, how charging poor people large amounts of interest is, uh, well, in a literal sense, not kosher. Uh, <laughs> and would and would this be a mechanism for um, causing more harm than benefit in the third world? Um, is it another? Is this just another case of rich people in the West deciding that they know best and going off to help when it's not actually beneficial? So, if you would like to uh, join in on the discussion on any of the points that we talked about or any of the points that uh, Doctor David just mentioned. Um, you can do that by joining us on slack.techreformation.com. Yeah, there's also our website, techreformation.com, where we've got all of our past episodes you can check out. 
This has been the Tech Reformation. Thank you for listening, and we will see you again next week. The music doesn't actually play when we record. Isn't that sad? That is sad. <laughs> I was looking forward to that. I ain't looking back. No, no. I ain't looking back. No, no. I ain't looking back. No, no, no. I ain't looking back. I made my choice, and I ain't looking back. No, the, the weird part for me is hearing all of you talking at normal speed because uh, I'm yeah, usually yeah, listening to the yeah. podcast at two X and saying, uh, for those first few minutes, everyone sounds drunk and slurring. <laughs>